I don't know that that song ever gets old. I, uh, I'm humbled that the promises that I have in Christ, nothing compares to the promises that I have in you. That's just... Uh, isn't it hard sometimes when you're, when you're sad to find joy in the midst of it? says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And so we all realize we have to stand on the promises that are true in the Word of God. If you have your Bible, if you would, please, here at New Hope, we do a Bible decree. So every week uh, before the message, I'm just grateful to have my Bible that I've been carrying now since I was 16 years old. And uh, it's my college Bible. It is falling apart, but I'm thankful for the promises that are true in his word. So let's say this together. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. Children, you are dismissed. I know there's things going on today and a lot of activities taking place, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Uh, Genesis chapter 9. Did you get that one up there? There we go. Genesis chapter 9 verse 13 says this. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Walking with God to the end of the rainbow is today's message. I'm glad you are here today because we are kicking off a new series called God Through God's People. We're going to be going through the Old Testament, but in a unique way, looking at how God worked through people. And I think that every one of us wants the end of the rainbow experience. Even Dorothy knew that. Somewhere over the rainbow. I'm not Dorothy, okay? but I just figured I'd put a little Judy Garland in there, right? We're all looking for that something that brings meaning and joy to life. Well, that something is being used by God. And as we begin our series this weekend, we'll be going through God. And it is my hope that this will help give you a better understanding of the foundation of Christianity. And also see how amazing God works through ordinary, flawed people like you and I. And to learn how we can respond to God's leading and be used powerfully by Him as well. And today we're going to begin talking about a character and a look into the life of Noah. And we find the story of Noah in Genesis chapter 6 and actually all the way through Genesis chapter 9. But today we will be beginning... Uh, we will begin with Genesis 6, but I'll have you go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, as I will uh, reference that here shortly. If you have your Bibles, you can open them, uh, or there are Bibles available in the chairs in front of you for, to you for you to use as well, or if you have an electronic device, you can use that as well. I put them up on the screens for you, but uh, whatever is comfortable for you, please feel free to do just that. Um, but as you turn there here, let me give you a little background of what has happened up to this point into the life of Noah. God created the heavens 
And we know this in Genesis. And he created the earth and everything in it in six days and rested on what day? On the, on the seventh day. God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to work the garden and have dominion over the land and animals. There was one rule that God gave to Adam, and that was, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and... They could eat from every other tree, but not that specific one. That was the plan. But Adam did not obey. Satan came and tempted Eve, and both Adam and Eve did what? They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thereby sinning against God and bringing death and depravity into the world. After Adam and Eve sinned, they were banished from the garden. That may seem like a further punishment, but, but, but I believe it is an incredible act of mercy from God as well. You see, also in the garden was the tree of life. If Adam and Eve had eaten from the tree of life after they had sinned, they would live forever, right? I mean, just think about that. It sounds good for a moment, but what if you lived forever in a fallen, sinful state? With all the consequences that sin has brought, what does sin bring? It brings suffering, chronic illness, pain. Bottom line is, it's forever. When we look at it that way, we can see how God's not allowing us to eat from the tree of life and live forever in that state is an act of mercy on what? It's an act of mercy on God's part. Instead, he began to work out his plan for salvation, prophesying about the coming Messiah in chapter 3. And here's what he says in chapter 3, verse 15, when he was cursing Satan. In Genesis 3, verse 15, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You shall strike his heel. Now, because of God's work at redeeming mankind through the Messiah, we can have the hope of eternal life apart from suffering and pain. But that is the end of that story. But first, we need to continue on with the beginning of this story. So death came into the world through what? Through sin. Sin corrupted the world. And we see the effects of sin right away as Cain does what? Cain kills his brother Abel over what? Jealousy. And sin continued to have its way until the time of Noah, which brings us to our text this morning. And I'm going to have you follow along, if you would, please, in Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 through 22. And it says this, as we give an account of Noah, it says this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Now, can I just stop right there? And I want you to take your Bible, or if you have your electronic device, just kind of circle and highlight it. Because I believe that there's some significance this here. Listen, it's amazing that, could you imagine that you were in the writings and it said that Noah was a perfect man, that he walked with God. Wouldn't it be great to have a reputation like that? Doesn't the world have so much to say about us? Look at him. That superficial Christian. Look at her. What a hypocrite. Look at him. That self-made preacher look at them look at the things they have and the things they do well i'm glad we're all together in this 
Because we're all sinners saved by God's grace, right? And all we need to say is, hey, we all have shame. We all have sin. We're all embarrassed. I mean, let's, let's just put it out there. Let's just be a church where we say, okay, today we're just going to walk up to the mic and everybody's going to tell us all about your shame. If I, if I would have put that on, on the internet, on social media, I would be pre- preaching to myself today. Nobody wants to do that because we come in here for a hope of a Savior. To say, you know what, I'm thankful that he forgives us. And we understand that Noah was a righteous man. We know that he, righteous means right living, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. So let's bring that back up there, if you would, please. And, it, and then it says this in, in Genesis chapter 6. Let's go to verse 10, or go right into 11, if you would. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And he says in verse 14, if you're following along, Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length, this I should, there it is. And the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to the cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant. And you have to understand, every time there's a covenant, a covenant is an agreement with you. So it says here, I will establish an agreement with you, a covenant, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be what? Male and female of the birds after their kind of animals after their kind of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. Verse 21, and you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten and you shall gather it to yourself and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Of all that, he did exactly what God commanded him. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word, Lord. We pray that you'll just anoint it today. Help us to understand what walking with God looks like. Help us to understand the challenges of life. And Lord, encourage all of us today. Father, hide me behind the cross in your shadows. And Lord, I'm not perfect, I'm forgiven. Lord, I was called to do this. And for those that might want to, you know, throw arrows or or fiery darts, Lord, I'm just the messenger to do your work. So help me to continue to walk with you and to talk with you. God, and I just thank you that today, that even in this narrative and in this story, Lord, I can see, Lord, the blessings of uh, and the challenges that are ahead for even Noah yet even for us in this dark world that we live in. So, Father, help us to all be courageous, and, Lord, to be able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in this dark, dark world. Thank you, Lord, that you are light and you are love. Bless the message today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Noah was certainly a man of great faith. 
But where did this faith come from? I mean, how is it that Noah was this man of great faith and other people were not? I find it so interesting that, that he was just that type of individual. We find out in verse 9 it says that he did what? That he walked with God. So often today we want to find the end of the rainbow. But we want to get there by doing things our way. The only way to end to the end of the rainbow is by doing what? By walking with God. Noah walked with God. What does walking with God look like? What does walking with God look like? As a pastor, I get to talk to people about their walk with God. And it's interesting for me because many times people think because they pray, that's enough. That don't need to be following what God says, or they don't need to go to church. They can go to St. Mattress, and I hear that a lot, or being connected with other people to be following God. But listen, Pastor, I pray. I call someone who hasn't been around in a while seeking to encourage them to, to do what? Just to get connected with other people. I'm always encouraged that, uh, and I ask them, are you walking with God? How's your relationship with the Lord? Are you going to church somewhere? What's happening? They'll say, I still have my faith. I'm praying every day and still reading the Bible occasionally. And I hear that a lot. And those are not bad things at all. But that is not what demonstrates our walk with God. And Noah lives a life that gives some visible aspects of what a real walk with God actually looks like. And we see right off the bat that really walking with God is demonstrated in obedience. Point number one, walking with God is demonstrated in obedience. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 22, we see that Noah did everything just as God commanded him. He did everything. It says, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded, so he did. What do we notice here? He was obedient, but Noah wasn't just obedient. He was obedient without having a complete understanding of actually what he was doing. Sometimes we say to our kids to do something, and they ask us why, and we say, ready? Because I said so. I hated that phrase. I didn't even understand it. I wanted to learn through the process, but everybody, always, because I said so, okay. Well, we want them to obey what we say because it shows that they what? That they trust us. That we are not having them to do something that is worthless, but has value for them. Even if they don't understand that they should obey because they, they should know we want what? We want the best for them. Noah obeyed even though he did not understand it at all. And, and you know, I find it interesting for me because I believe obedience is very difficult you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. So we see that Noah is obedient. But how many times has God spoke to you? Has the Holy Spirit spoke to you? And you've said to yourself, is that just my conscience speaking? Who just said that? Why did that come in my head like that? But what about this? If he tells you to do something and you do it and you're obedient to that, then you get to see the fruits from it. You know, much like sometimes I, I look at this property and I think it reminds me of the ark. You know, because, you know, we went by faith. We started the ministry by faith. And I'm obedient. God says, here's what I want you to do. And I said, okay. And seriously, 
I'm kind of like you guys. I don't want to be a failure, and I don't want people to look at me as a failure. And I would think the same thing about Noah. Noah was kind of in the same type of position. You want me to do what in a place that's never rained? I mean, come on, there's a firmament that's around. I mean, this is the prettiest place on all the earth. Adam and Eve even walked with God. Yet they sinned. Yet this is a gorgeous place, a gorgeous climate. And now God is telling him, I need you to obey my voice. Here's my commandment. Go and do it. When was the last time God told you to go do something? And you just said, no, this isn't for me. It's not my calling. I've retired. I don't believe we've retired until God calls us home. But I believe that, you know, as it reads in Hebrew, the author of Hebrews says it the best about knowing. It's here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It says this, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according or that comes by faith. When warned about things not yet seen, he did what? He built an ark. Imagine the situation where God is speaking to Noah. God says, Noah, build an ark because I'm going to bring a great flood. And Noah says to him, what in the world is a flood? I mean, have you ever really thought about that? I know you've heard this story, and I thought today would be kind of a cool, cool time to do that. But think about it. Noah asks, what's a flood? So he says, a flood is when I bring water from the deep to rise up, and when I open up the heavens to make it rain. He said, well, what is rain? What is rain? Some argue, and I lean this way, that until this time it had never rained on the earth. They'd never experienced it. So true faith is really this, believing in the voice of God and stepping out by faith on something you don't see or can, it's not tangible to touch. You know, I stand up here today humbled. I tell everybody this, I don't know how long my calling is, yes, I founded the church 17 years ago by the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the leading of, of the Lord, but being obedient. And we went from Cuyahoga Falls to, you know, Broad Boulevard to the Court Cultural Center to Riverside Drive. And now here we are on Southeast Avenue in Talmadge, Ohio. That's obedience. But it's just going by faith. It's saying, you know what, God, here's the vision. But I would say things like this, too, in my head. Am I called for this? I mean, am I the right guy for this? I mean, we all do it. But every time I start to lose my faith, every time I start to lose hope, I realized that moment when I was in Ravenna, Ohio, and I was cleaning carpets, and I remembered the voice of God. And I remembered that moment when I was kneeling on the carpet and I was crying and I was weeping and I was surrendering my life and saying, okay, God, you want me to start this church? Okay, I'll do what you want me to do. I don't even know what that even looks like. I'm inexperienced. And he said, I know. That's why I'm calling you to do it. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I remembered as soon as I said, I surrender, I'm telling you, church, as sure as I'm standing right here with these crazy fluorescent you know, uh, highlight marker shoes on. Uh, I knew God was there because he helped me up off that floor. I'm going to tell you something, and I've gone, I was obedient, and I followed through with what God commanded for me. Has it been easy? No. But it says in this world you will have troubles. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. 
Here's what it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. It says this, This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown. In verse 5. Thank you. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. It says in verse 6, But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Now watch this. This is before God created Adam. But how long did this last after he created Adam? We're not very sure about that, okay? But at the end of the flood, when God says the rainbow will be the sign of the covenant that he is making with Noah never to destroy the earth by flood again, it seems that it is implied that this is the first rainbow that is ever really seen in the clouds. So Noah was obedient to do something. Building the ark because God told him about an impending flood that he had never seen caused by rain, which probably had never happened. But yet Noah did it anyways. Listen, church, that is obedience. I mean, think about it. Something you've never experienced. I I can't even. Could you imagine if I came before all of you and said, God spoke to me. We're going to have a tsunami right here in Talmadge. You would be like, a what? A tsunami. We're not even by an ocean. Yeah, we're going to be covered with water. Are you crazy? People would look at you like, I am crazy. And yet, Noah did it anyway. He is obedient because as the scripture tells us, he walked with God. What a challenge for all of us today, right? That all of us should be challenged to walk with God because if we're not walking with God, if you're not walking in the spirit, you're walking in the flesh. If you're manifesting Things to the flesh, then things of the flesh will come about. But if you manifest things in the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit will come about. Are you following me this morning? He walked with God. And the same holds true for us. If we want to live lives that are being used by God to do extraordinary things, when we have got, we've got to be obedient. And to be obedient to what He calls us to do, we have to, we've got to walk with God. And our obedience to God is what demonstrates we are walking with But Noah didn't just demonstrate his walk with God in obedience in the face of not knowing some things. We also see that really walking with God is demonstrating during what? During opposition. Walking with God is demonstrated during opposition. In the text, we read in Genesis says that the earth was corrupt and God's sight and was full of violence. Except for Noah who was a righteous man and walked with God. The earth was corrupt and full of violence, except for one man who was righteous, yet he walked with God. But in the New Testament, we also have Peter, he tells us that Noah was what? A preacher of righteousness. And 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 says, And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the un." Godly. Imagine preaching righteous living amid a corruption and violence place. Wait this morning. We don't have to actually imagine what it's like to live in a corrupt and violence place. We live in it right now. And what do we find as we seek to tell others who are opposed to the righteous life that the Bible teaches? 
We find that they oppose not just the message, but often they oppose the messenger as well. Boy, you can't say anything controversy, can you? For if you do, you will be persecuted. Today, I believe we face not just a couple of issues, but many issues in our society. Today, that the Bible speaks directly to the illicit and a lot of emotion and controversy. Abortion, same-sex marriage. A lot of controversy is brought up, but yet we don't say anything in the church for fear of the attack that's going to come upon us. But listen, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we have to stand on the Word of God. When we as Christians seek to express what God says regarding living righteously regarding those issues, often it's not just the message that is opposed, but the messenger even when we are speaking in love and truly desiring to see people experience the hope and power of the Lord in their life. I find that, you know, through the years, if I speak truth, people don't want to hear truth. And they will come after the messenger. They don't care if they know it. If, if I said this shirt was black, they would say, no, it's not. I mean, and it's their opinion versus my opinion. And we live in a society that, you know, there's always perspective and differences. And we have to remember... Even though we disagree with what the world is saying regarding the issues, is cause to condemn the messenger of God's word. Imagine, however, being the only one, like Noah and his family, who were walking with the Lord and seeking to speak truth to, it, to the society that they were living in. No others to support you. Think about this. Nobody else to lift you up, to comfort you, to love you, to be there for you. Against the opposition that was sure to be happening, only his time walking with God would be his support. This is not something that was happening for a few weeks or months or even a few years. This happened for a very, very long time. And that is another demonstration of his walk with the Lord because really walking with God is demonstrated over a long time. Really walking with God is demonstrated over... Listen, I know what it's like and I'm challenged as an individual. I mean, if you... I'm 52 years old. But you get to the age of 52 and then I'll be 62 and 72. I'm now looking over my life and I'm looking at the persecution. And I'm looking at what I've had to go through. Will it ever stop is the question. Listen, if Satan's leaving you alone, you have to ask yourself of what value are you truly? To the kingdom. See, we all have to submit and surrender. We have to submit and surrender. We have to be faithful. And we can't give up. You know, it's like the little engine. And he said, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. We also... We've all watched it, and I don't know what's on TV. I'm learning all these little things now because of my granddaughters, but I, uh, I, all I know is Barney. You know, I mean, that's what my girls went through. I can't, I don't know anything else, but I remember the little engine that could. And when that engine started to feel like he was running out of steam, it was that longevity, it was that time that, that truly needed to take place and know that we can rest in our Savior. Listen, we don't expect time frame it took to build the ark. But a good estimate would be 50 to 75 years. This was back in the early days when men were still living a very long time. Actually, several hundred years. 
Imagine working to provide for your family and then after work getting you and your boys out to work on the ark for 75 years. Listen closely. I thought this was kind of a cool narrative. Let's go, boys. Time to go work on the ark. Uh, Dad, do we have to? Yes, we do. We've got to be ready. We've got to get ready for the flood. But Dad, hey, Dad, um, the kids at school, their, their dads think that we're crazy and you're crazy. And then it may have been, but Dad, the guys at the office keep ridiculing me because time just keeps moving on. And finally, Dad, the guys at the retirement home keep calling me crazy for helping you. Nothing's happened. It hasn't even rained. It has never rained. Yet Noah kept walking with God. Listen, write this down. Noah kept walking with God in the midst of opposition for a very, very long time. He kept walking with God in the midst of opposition. People, faithfulness is not measured over a weekend or a couple years. It is measured over long periods of time. Think of it in terms of marriage. You aren't a faithful spouse if every few years you have an affair. You are faithful in never having an affair. You hear what I just said? The only way to be faithful for the long haul is to keep walking with God because sometimes it is going to be hard. But when we walk with God, He gives us the strength to continue and to endure and to succeed. It is then that we get to the end of the rainbow. After Noah's time in the ark, God brings... I don't know what's happening here with this mic. God brings him and his family out of the ark and establishes a covenant to never destroy the earth and mankind by a flood again. And the sign of the covenant is the rainbow. Isn't that cool? I know many of you probably didn't even notice my shirt today. But I wanted to wear it today, and I've had it for several years. But it says I'm taking back the rainbow. The thing about rainbows, though, is that we don't get to see them without going through the storm. But as we walk with God and He strengthens us to obey amid opposition, and over time He will bring us through the storm to experience His great blessings. Where are you? Who are you walking with? It's always after the storm. When we were down in Florida, it was gorgeous. I've never seen this before. How many of you have ever found the end of the rainbow? Anybody in here? Okay, I saw it for the first time in my earthly life. We were standing on the balcony, and it was... So where we were at on the balcony in Florida last month or two months ago or however long I've been back here, um, as we were standing there, the rain, you know, it's always raining on the ocean or whatever. It's, it's really bizarre and, and weird because, you know, you'll see sunshine here and rain there and it's just, it's all over the place. But what was cool was that I noticed the rainbow, it came down and it landed right in the sand. And I'm like, didn't we see that? We're like, is that really in the sand? Uh, that's amazing. But here's what was even more amazing. You see the dark clouds, you see the wind, you see the rain, you, you feel the storm, you sense it almost like about 5 o'clock this morning as the, our room was lighting up from the lightning, you know, and then, you know, it just rained, but it didn't rain hard here, it was just lightning. And, uh, but there's this uneasy feeling, almost like this past week on Facebook when we looked on Facebook and everybody was showing us all those little funnel clouds or whatever they were, cones, I don't know what they called them. Everybody's like, 
It was eerie, right? But here's what I think that Jesus is trying to tell all of us in this covenant. I don't know what opposition you're going through. I don't know what storm you're going through. I don't know what problems you're going through. But I want you to know that peace is coming. There's going to be peace. And I'm thankful that in a time when life is so crazy, when people are crazy, when the world is crazy and people are fighting and families are fighting against each other, that we know that there's peace. Because at the end of this life, we have a Savior, and His name is Jesus. And I believe in that Savior, and I can rest in that peace, and I can understand that peace. Listen to what Paul tells us in Titus. It says in Titus chapter 1, verse 15, To the pure all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. It says that, you know what, they're pure in heart. They claim to know God, but their actions deny them. In Noah's day, the only hope of overcoming the corruption of the world was to walk with God, believing Him and what He said. But people did not walk with God. People did not believe in Him, and they perished in the flood. Listen, church, let me say this to you. Today, our only hope of overcoming the corruption of the world is to do what? To walk with God, believing in Him and what He has done and what He has said. And that walk actually begins with believing in Jesus Christ and the salvation that he has brought. Listen to what Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says in verse 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient when once... The divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved through water. There's also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer is a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We conclude with verse 22. Who has gone into heaven is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. It is not the water baptism that saves you, but the believing God that Jesus is God and that he died for you and rose from the dead that saves you. Do you claim to know God? But by your actions. Do you claim to know God? But the sad part, but by your actions demonstrates that you don't walk with Him. Walk with the Lord, believing Him like Noah did. Walk with the Lord, believing Him like Noah did. And I'll say this as I close. And in conclusion, maybe you're here because you heard about our back-to-school bash or family fun day and that we have a bounce house or a petting zoo. Maybe you come here each week. Maybe this is your church, but have yet to fully believe God and begin to walk with Him by believing in Jesus Christ and receiving Him as Lord and Savior. You see, that's where the walk starts. To get to the end of the rainbow, you need to walk with the Lord. 
Not walking with him. Now listen, church. Not walking with the Lord only leads to destruction. Not walking with the Lord only leads to destruction. Those that did not follow Noah, they died in the flood. If you would like to begin your walk with the Lord, the Bible tells us that we do that by what? By faith. By receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. By believing in Him and who He is and what He has done. This is what it says in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. It says this, But as many as received into them, He gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And it's not just for one person, it's for many. As it says in verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you will have an opportunity to do that in a moment. Maybe you have started your walk with the Lord by receiving Him as Savior. You haven't been walking so close lately and the opposition has been beating you down. For some of you that are in this room, maybe you're in the midst of a storm. I mean, maybe for some of you, you're just thinking, I'm going to abandon ship. I want you to know this, that I don't care what goes on in your life. Listen to me, church. Listen to me, church. I believe, and I believe, and I believe that Satan is on the warpath. He is out, as Peter says, to seek, kill, and destroy. I'm seeing it in this ministry. And it's time that we, as mighty warriors of God, stand up in the name of Jesus. We get to the altar, we start praying over people. The only time that Welsh revival ever took place was when they all started praying. Not one person, oh, but it's pastor's job. No, it's not. The storm wasn't just for Noah. It was for his family. It was for anybody that wanted to follow him. But yet people didn't follow. They disobeyed. And they lost their lives. Listen, you too could be saved in the midst of your storm. Maybe... Maybe anger. You know, I was telling Becky this morning, I said, you know what I think we have a problem with? We have two different types of manifestations. Manifestations of the flesh or manifestations of the spirit. It's either we yield to the flesh or we give in to the spirit. I'd much rather give in to the spirit. But let me tell you something. I'm challenged all the time to give in to my flesh. But the outcome isn't good. It isn't great. And the consequences are even greater. But church, we need to rise up. We need to start praying Jesus over people, praying it over our church. I love that song, praying it over the nations, praying it over each and every person. Listen, we need to make Jesus Christ the cornerstone of our life. Listen, your marriage might be faltering, your family might be faltering, we need to pray Jesus over. You know, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He'll lift you up. We all need to be humbled. I get humbled all the time. You know, life is difficult. But one thing I've learned with with Noah is that it says he was a righteous man and he walked with God. You know, there's nothing greater. I love when people say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. I can look you in the eye and I know that you're praying for me. I can feel it. I know that. I know 
wasn't just a word. And I, I covet your prayers. And I know that you're not just a person of, you know, people always say, does your walk match your talk? Well, we noticed in Noah's life, his walk matched his talk. How are you abusing people? Are you abusing your spouse? Are you abusing your children? Are you abusing yourself? Listen, here at New Hope, we have New Hope for Recovery, where you could be recovered from those things to keep you so chained down. Listen, you have great potential. Don't you let the enemy trip you up and make you think that you don't have that kind of potential. Because God sees greatness in you. Let go and let God. Let him have full dominion and power over your life. Listen, church, there is hope. There is hope, and it is found in getting back up and walking again in obedience to the Lord's commands. If you're a part of New Hope Talmadge, then you have many opportunities for help in your walk. But the most important is being part of a small group or attending the discipleship class or coming to our recovery ministry on Thursday nights. Start today. Be strengthened for the walk and the storms ahead. If you're not part of New Hope Talmadge, I'm so glad you came today. You too can take part of any of our ministries to help you in that journey. Even if you are not quite sure about all of this Jesus stuff yet. Sign up. Be a part of it. And if you are here today and realize that it is the walk with God that you need in your life, that you need most, then I want you all to pray with me. Confess your belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the Lord, or to the Lord, and begin a walk that will carry you to the end of that peaceful rainbow. And when I saw that rainbow out there on that beach, it was peaceful. It almost made you just want to stop and pause. Say, wow, it's amazing. You know, Brother Larry is, is battling cancer. Many of you know that, and we've been praying with him. I think, you know, here's a guy who's 81 years old and been able to really enjoy life, and he loves Jesus. And, you know, his life just really demonstrates that. But we know that life is but a vapor cancer is a killer and a killer it'll always stay it's not a respecter of persons but i know this that have peace at the end of the rainbow and we too can we can as well when we too believe in the peace of our savior so this morning if you were to die are you 100 percent sure you go to heaven now listen i don't always give this type of salvation message but there's two things that i think is important one you know if you don't know jesus would you come to the saving grace of jesus christ today Admit that you're a sinner. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Confess that you're a sinner. Come into the family of God. Let him help you and to heal you. That's what this is all about. And then this. Maybe there's some adversity and maybe there's some difficulty that's been in your life. But you need to say, God, i got to throw it down. i got to just surrender to it. Lord, do whatever you want with my life. Here it is. It's yours. I want to walk with you. I, I want to talk with you. It's... I want to I live life. I want to thrive with you. No one knew what that was. You can come to him today. He's here for you. As we rise to our feet, as we all stand together, let me pray with you. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you that today, that, Lord, we can learn from this narrative what it means to walk with you. 
That means to turn away from the wicked things of our life and to seek righteousness and holiness. God, we're all distracted. Oh my goodness, temptations. As we heard from the beginning of Genesis, the temptation was there with Adam and Eve. And it says that you walked with them in the garden. And yet here we are in chapter 6 through 9 and we start to see that you were with Noah and you walked with him and you considered him a righteous man. God, would you consider us today? And God, we, we thank you for your son Jesus Christ who came and who died for us and who gives us the hope of eternity. Father, if there's somebody here today that maybe they've been wrestling within their spirit not knowing who they are in you. You said in verse 13 of Romans 10 that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So, Lord, if there's someone, someone, somebody here today that needs to know you as Lord and Savior, may they say this prayer. Dear Lord, please come into my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me, to be beaten for me. Father, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and come into my life. God, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I desire to walk with you. God, save me today. For many, Lord, that might be in this room, for many of us, maybe we've fasted. We've walked away from you. We don't have that intimate relationship. And Lord, we want you to say the very same thing about us that you said about Noah. Oh, she was such a righteous lady. Oh, she's such a soldier of the Lord. He's such a righteous young man. He's such a godly example to his wife and his kids. Oh God, today, I pray for those that are in this room that, Lord, that have failed you. Lord, would you bring us back home? You said you'll never leave us nor forsake us. You said that you'll lift us up. We know that you said what is the depth, the width, the height of your love. Lord, we know that you love us. You said that you'll lift us up with your righteous right hand. Oh God, today we want to come back to you. We want to walk with you and talk with you. Lord, help us to have that deep, intimate relationship with you. God, be with us today. Heal us today. Save us today.